We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. If I sound a little giddy right now, that's because I just got done with the interview that you are about to hear um, with a man who really does need no introduction, but I'll, I'll say a few words about him anyway. Alan Hahn, um, first time on the show. Uh, we we had talked about doing this years ago and and there was always a scheduling something or other um but finally got him on and let me tell you this is uh this is one of the more enjoyable uh spots that i have done in quite some time uh you're gonna really love it i'm, I'm not gonna filibuster but i will just say you know um and it's funny because we the interview just ended and i was uh, me and andrew were, were talking about alan like he's been around covering this team for two decades now, you know, cause he came on first covering, uh, the Knicks for, for Newsday, um, back in, uh, 2005 and it's the 23, 24 season. So we're, we're, you know, coming up on, on year 20 and you think about like, you know, like Berman retired last year and everybody, you know, gave, gave all, all sorts of flowers to Berman cause he had been, you know, on this beat for, for two decades with the post a little over two decades. Hans been doing it for almost as long. And I know it, it, it's not as a beat writer anymore, but just to expand to obviously he's on ESPN radio, he's on ESPN uh, on television um, and of course on on MSG Network, uh, really someone that and I talked to him a little bit about this on the show, I think it make every Knicks fan proud uh, to to have him be a guy that uh, is kind of an ambassador for the team. And and whenever he's talking about them, you always know, you know what, it, whatever he says, even if it might, if it's something negative, it's going to be reasonable. And he is someone that sticks up, I think, for Knicks fans um, in a lot of ways. So I've always appreciated uh, that from him. All right, I'm going to stop talking. Uh, without further ado, here is my interview with Alan Hahn. Alan Hahn, how you doing, my man? You know, I was wondering what it was going to take to get an invite, and I wasn't sure. You know, and I, I know this is this is a very high end podcast. I know what you guys do. You break down film X's and O's, 
And I kept wondering, like, am I just not smart enough to get on this? Is that what it is? Is they they look at me as more like you know I'm the guy that tries to get Wally going. I'm the guy that's got to stir it up. So maybe this this pod might have been a little too highbrow for me. And I understand it. So when I got the invite, I was like, finally, finally, look, my made it. So here we are. You know what did it? It was you talking about how handsome Wally was on the broadcast the other night. That was what finally tipped it over the edge. I figured it had to be that. But I mean, Luca Gars is a great kid. Like I, I was trying to be respectful to him. You were. He's actually a nice guy. Like he came over. It was warm ups, and I the corner of my eye. I'm like, like it's Timberwolves. Hey, Wally. Like, but he came running over, and then I said, oh, we 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 just said a quick hello because I had talked to him when he was at Iowa. And and so we had the quick hello, and as he walked by, I'm just like, yeah, he doesn't look like Wally in person. So then when Bill brought it up, I'm like, oh, hell no, we're not doing this. We're not doing this. <laughs> My guy Wally is a handsome guy. Luca Garza is not an ugly man by any means, but when you're doing the side-by-side, I yep. mean, you know, let's just say you know, I'll, I'll give Wally the win, but still, they're both, you know, both doing pretty well for themselves anyway. I was about to say they're they're both doing fine. Uh, Wally yeah. probably probably has the better collection of ties. Although I, I maybe I shouldn't presuppose what what Luke has hanging up in his, his closet. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, yeah. look, don't bring up don't bring up ties with me. My compliments stop there with Wally when it comes to the tie game. Okay, <laughs> that's one thing I can't compete with him on a lot of levels. But the one thing I can do is bring it when it comes to the soup game every night. All right, so we're not going there. It, it's always impeccable. Um, we have a lot to talk about with this team. I want to get to it soon. I have to, though, briefly touch on your career because um, despite you joking around about it at the top, um, I have been such a fan of yours for so long, dating back to, and you, you were with Newsday, obviously, for a while before you started covering the Knicks full time. But I learned your name when you went to the Knicks beat um, at a time when, uh, let's just say, if you were a Knicks fan, um, you would look under any rock to find any kind of coverage that didn't make you want to go hide under another rock. And you provided that, but you, I have, but it wasn't, you weren't waving pom-poms. You did it. You were just being honest. And if, if there was a bright side to maybe look at, you did it. And yet you always managed to be objective. And I just, I, before we do anything, I just want to compliment you on that. And you like, I, I mean this when I said, you got me through some tough times, man. I read you on a daily basis. It was, it was an honor to do so. Wow. All right. That that's the ultimate compliment. I mean, that's what you're looking for, obviously, when you know, you're a beat writer and, and not to go too deep into it, but for me Please go deep. <laughs> I went well, I you know, I I I had played but very sparingly at the division two level. I got hurt, so I really didn't play in a lot of games. My 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 best years in college were in practice, believe it or not. Um but you're it's just that's the reality. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I, I was an Archie. I was Archie. I was Archie Diacono before there was a Ryan Archie Diacono. But for for me, it was I just always knew like this. This was it for me. I suckered someone into giving me money to go to college. I, I you know I really wasn't that kind of player. But I loved the game, you know. So when the next step for me was to what do I do next? You know, media just felt comfortable for me, and I loved to write. And my ultimate goal was to be a beat writer and covering the Knicks. It took me a long time to get there though, because. You know, I started out as a part-timer. It took me five years to work through that. And my first gig was actually hockey, which was another love of mine, but nothing I ever really played. It was just something – I was a fan. I loved the sport. So, But that gave me the experience because I, I 
the job was open in the late 90s. Talk about a time to cover the team. Yeah. And I wanted it badly. And I had editors telling me, you're not ready, you're not ready. And it really pissed me off because I'm like, there's nobody here that knows the game like me. There's nobody here that knows the team like I do. And I wanted to cover them because they were so good. And they wouldn't give it to me because they just said you weren't ready. And I never understood it until I started covering the NHL. And then I realized there's way more to this than just I know the game, I know the team. you got to know a lot about the business and how to conduct yourself and a lot of lessons along the way that I had to learn. And so when 2006 came around and they offered me the Nick beat, and I didn't ask for it. Mm-hmm. I was comfortable. My dad passed away. I didn't want change in my life. Okay. And and I've, I've told the story before. It was very strange. Is my dad passed away, and it was days later they offered me the job, and it always felt like divine intervention, like oh, wow. as if like he said, no, it's time, son, because I didn't want to take it. And I'm being truthful. I, it was that's, my dream job, but wild. I didn't want to take it because I didn't think it was good for me at that point in my life. Just lost my father. It was I was very close to. And because like somebody said to me, what are the odds that your dad passes and this opportunity comes up for you? And how can you turn that down? So I took it. And I learned that first year but <laughs> what they mean by you're not ready. You're dealing with Berman and Isola and, you know, I mean, you're talking about the heavy hitters. And, yeah. You know, Woj was, was just coming into his own at the time as a national guy. Like, it was not easy. And – but I, I – I could – what am I going to do? I'm at Newsday. I'm not going to be able to compete with those big guys who have been here for a long time. But I had a passion for the game. I love the game. And – I was so excited just to be there covering the team and sitting courtside, which we were allowed to at the time. I just, you know, I kind of put that energy into it and the energy came back to me. And I saw that with putting the blog together, the Knicks fix and, you know, the feedback that I would get from fans was sure. You know, I didn't have the connections that Frank did or or Mark did because I was new, but I had a passion. I had a history of it. I cared and I saw what I saw and I wrote what I wrote and, it built into something kind of cool. Like in the next thing I know, you know, here I am on your podcast, which is, you know, <laughs> the next dream come true. So, well, you, but, you, but not to belabor yeah. it, but I, I want everybody to understand, like, you know, from what you said, it does mean the world to me because when I got on, it was like, why are people going to want to read me? And what you said is exactly what I was hoping to get back. It was because I understood what it was like to be a Knicks fan and you know, open the paper and just go like, Oh God, what now? You know? Um, so, um, what you said is exactly what I was going for. So it means a lot. You could sell bullshit in a lot of places, not selling it here in New York. Uh, so it's like, it's it, right. It's like a catch 22. Like you have a, a yeah. whole fan base that just wants to hear something positive about their team. And at the same time, if you try to blow smoke up the rest, they're just not going to read you anymore. They don't hear right. it. Yeah. Right. So, and, and I, again, yeah. I, you told, you told the line, I'm happy you mentioned the Knicks fix. That's the other thing I just wanted to touch on. Because I know, I mean, you're in front of a mic probably more hours out of the day than you're not. I, I, I don't, I'm not in front of one for nearly as much as you, but I, I do find I could talk for hours after a game and there'll still be thoughts that I can't convey in the spoken word. So that's why I'm happy I have the newsletter. I could always kind of hammer it out. Is that part of why you, you still do it? Because it doesn't seem like you need to at this point, but you, you've kept it up. Yeah, it, you're very right. Like, for years, I kept writing the blog. Even I think my first year or two, MSG picked up the blog, and I would write. I think once a week. Okay. Um, but you know, like after a while, it was like 
not really worth it for either one of us. But I still wanted to write for the same reasons you had. There's just something about writing about things, and you can spend time to look up you know, stats, numbers, and explain them. Yeah. You could talk numbers, and that's the hard part when you do broadcasting is oh. you have a million stats. Like I, I've got stuff here for you that I could we, we can end up talking about in a little while about this team. And saying it sometimes, if you use too many numbers, and I learned that early on, and Wally always reminds me too with the useless stats, which we always have fun with, but it's because if you say too many numbers, you start losing people. If you start going too deep in the weeds on the analytics, you're going to lose a majority of people who just can't follow. They're just like, uh, he's talking, but I have no idea what he's saying, right? You lost me already when you got into, you know, effective field goal percentage and all. So, I've, I, you know, like that's the place you can do it because it's visual. You can see it. It's tangible. And it's also something about taking a moment to think about how you want to phrase something. And there is what I learned quickly in the broadcast business. There's, there's no backspace when you're on live television, yeah, well. live radio. So, you know, that's the other part of it that I loved about, about the writing aspect. So I do when I can, but I'll tell you what, though, John, I, I've learned people don't want to read as much. And I've I don't noticed. Know if you, you know, you really? Like, it, it's they, everything it's that they you. ask me. There there are. No, still, yeah. there are people still. But I have realized that people will say to me, that's nice, but can you just do a video instead? And, and the more I see that, the more I realize, like, no, I can't really write as much anymore. And so I really, I've, I've cut back on that, too. And I'll just think of what I need to say, stay it in a little sound bite, and be somewhere that looks kind of cool, unlike this place. And that's it. And that's kind of what people are consuming these days. It's sad. Well, it, 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 it's it, why we do, now we're into a, a depressed place because you just brought that up. It makes me. It does make me genuinely sad because, like, I. You'd like to think that there would be people who would dedicate whatever it is, 10, 15 minutes of their day to, to, to dig into something. But no, you're right. People people want the clips. If, if it could fit into a TikTok clip, which I, I should probably oh. know how long those are, but I, I don't. Um, but it's just funny. You said a minute ago, like, there's no backspace on live TV. And at the same time, the, the things that I feel like get people attention are the things that they should maybe want to have a backspace button for. And so I'm, I'm curious, like, cause you're, you know, you're on ESPN, you're, and then obviously MSG and everything else. Like, do you, ha, is there a part of you that's like, I, I kind of got to go for it here or what, how do you moderate that mm. angle? Great of it? question. It's a great question. Obviously it's two different things, right? On MSG network. Yes. It's, it's much different than if I'm say on first take or get up, you know, and I'm doing something there. Because, you know, there you want to – you got to hit it home. Right. Uh, on the network, you know, you don't need to do that, right? No. Like it's not necessary to come out of the gate and just start swinging. Um, there are times it's called for – you know, there are times, you know, certain post games that we have done where we know there's some passion that we want to bring yep. and, uh, and we do it. There is some theatrics to it. But I think it's also the delivery of, of what you have to say because – the national audience is not as in tune as those who are coming to the the, the regional network yes. post game show. Those guys, just like what you guys do, you know, you know, you're getting the diehards because yes. you don't really have to explain a lot to them. They already know what you're talking about, and you can get into uh, more of the minutia, and you can get into something a little bit harder hitting. Whereas nationally. 
you've got to keep it surface. Yeah. Because not everybody knows what the hell you're talking about. So you have yeah. to explain more to them. And it doesn't give you as much time then to really get into stuff. So there is that big difference. Um, but there's also on ESPN that you do want to put on a show. You know, and it's not you're not making it up. You're not faking it. Yeah, it's you know, not everything, fake. But everything it, you do, you believe in. Yeah. But you also know that you know there's there's a, it's a, it's a different audience, a different kind of feel, and so you're gonna play it up a lot more. And then there are times like you know I'll see it on social, whatever the hell I said on on Get Up, and I'll watch it. And I'll just go, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> like damn. <laughs> but it's what we do. No, you listen. You do it great, and I. Again, it's it's. I think it's hard. I, I have to think it's a, it's impossible on some days where, again, you know you know what's going to get you know exactly what's going to get the views. You know what's going to get the clicks. You know what people want, and then it's like, oh, yeah. how do you how do you moderate? La- last thing, and then I I, I promise we'll um, move on to talking about the actual team. In terms of like your so on the post game on MSG. You have all these little segments where I don't know what the longest segment you guys do is maybe what, five, six minutes at most, maybe a little bit longer than that. You, it, usually, yeah. Yeah. How long did it take you to get used to saying, and again, you, you mentioned it already. It's a different audience on MSG. They know the team. They want the in-depth analysis. How long did it take you to, to get to a point where you could say something that was meaningful and genuine and you know insightful and, and reacting to the game that just happened, but you know you have this little time frame and it's not just you it's you and Wally and Monica whoever else like that had to take a while because you do it so well and I find when I go on like the occasional show and it's like all right you have two minutes for this answer or 30 seconds for this answer I'm like what the hell am I going to say in this amount of time (laughs) it's a great point and it's a great question because it did take about a season first of all the thing that really took me a long time and for everybody out there to understand I have a journalism degree I was a journalism and English major. Like I, I did not, I didn't do any broadcasting at all in college. None. Like we had uh, a CW Post. They had a, a radio station. They still do WCWP. Like I, I occasionally would jump in. It was not real. Like it wasn't anything that they taught you. It was just jump in and do stuff and have fun with it. But I never took a single broadcasting class. So everything that I learned, I learned from watching and from getting critiqued heavily. And I had one of the best in Al Troutwig who could just oh. would always pull me aside and just give me, you know, that that constructive criticism that I needed. And there were great producers there as well that were to my benefit, they were invested in me. It wasn't like they were like, Who the hell is this kid? Why they hire him? Doesn't know what he's doing. He's an amateur, get him off. They would know. They they saw hopefully they saw some value that I was trying to bring. And they were like, All right, keep in mind, right? Like when you say something you got to be succinct, talk to the people you're with, and then engage them. Bring them in. This is not just you on a single shot, and you're just going into monologue mode, which, on occasion, I still do. Because as you said, there are some games, it's a post game. And you're and I do radio, so radio is a much different medium, because on radio, yes. you are doing, you're, you're giving the homily. You're like, you're doing yep. that. So I'll come in, and then there'll be a post game, and something will happen, and man, I'm hot. So I'm just talking about it, talking about it. And then you'll hear in my area, it's like, you know, it's like rap. Like it's, you hear it, rap. It's like, oh, yeah, I went way too long on that one. And then you look around, like, <laughs> and everybody's just staring at you like, you done? Like, you know, so, so there, it still happens, 
But you do learn to have a little bit of a clock in your head to know what's the most important thing I need to say and to trust that I know I got Wally, I got Monica, I got Bill. They're going to probably say some other things that I wanted to say too. Sure. So I'll pick my one thing that I think is the most important and you say it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, let's get to the team. Uh, this team is good. And dare I say, uh, this franchise, uh, I think, from the outside looking in, seems to be in a good place. You have yep. been around it when uh, it has not been in a good place. Mm-hmm. Is is what we are seeing from the outside looking in where there is, it seems, whatever adjectives you want to use, cohesive, There, there is a, there is a, sense of purpose like everybody kind of knows what their job is they go out there they do their job is, is it actually like that from what you could tell on on the inside because it sure seems pretty good from the outside looking in i think the word you're looking for is stability there you and go. that is not a word we have attributed to this franchise in a very long time if you think about how much turnover there has been just with the coach yeah. you know with with the front office there has been just a lot of transition, even during the the short period of good years yeah. when you know Amari Carmelo that that era, you know that's about a three year span of making the playoffs, one year of fifty four wins, and even that was two coaches <laughs> and some and some front office turnover as well. Like you understand, so it really has been constant transition, and and I love this. So Tibbs is now in his fourth year, mm-hmm. and I looked this up so. I imagine they're going to win more than 22 games this season, right? I mean, we're expecting a – we're looking at a team that's probably projected in the 40s and, and could top out in the 50s if everything goes well. That's how good they can be with their depth. And, and that's not me. I've, I've asked what? people around the league about this. It's going to be a good team. So think about this. If he hits his 22nd win this season, he will have amassed as many wins in, in three-plus years yep. as the five coaches – that coach the previous six seasons did. Right, that's all you need to know about the stability. And that I think is important. And then, which is what we talked about in the preseason, the second preseason game that we did on the broadcast, is the 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 fact that there is a stability among the group, like the core. Yes. Now we've got the same players with the same coach. There is no transition this year. They added one player, subtracted one, added one. That's it. So everybody already comes in knowing their roles, knowing who they are, 
knowing the expectations. There's no taking time to fit in. This is what I think will be the strength of this team. It's depth and the consistency, the continuity of the roster, of the coach, and then you take it to the very top of the front office. And so we haven't said that about this Knicks franchise in a long time because they haven't had the same coach, some front office, same core of players since you and I both know when, when they were a very good team. So that's what's working for them. And I think it's recognized around the league as such as well. And I saw a quote from Bob Myers, actually, who now works for us at ESPN. And he even laid out the idea that, you know, you're hearing more of when players come up and all this thought of a player going somewhere. It's always like, well, what about New York? When it never used to be like that. So, okay. I want to go back to the tips thing for a second because you you brought it up. So I'm going to ask about it. But I want to ask about the Myers quote because I saw that Mm -hmm. and it made me think of this kind of weird double trajectory, not double trajectory, but like on one hand, everything you just said about this team is obviously true. They're stable. They have a good thing going on. They could win 50 games. It's not crazy. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, if all of that stuff goes well, in a perfect world, they will be able to get one of the guys that Bob Myers and many other people have been alluding to like, hey, I want to go play for that coach and with that team and Jalen Brunson and the whole thing. Do you think that that kind of I don't it's not a cloud that's hanging over, but it's it's out there like everybody knows it's out there. It's a thing like this mm-hmm. team has seemingly done very well to ignore any such distractions about what might be coming down the pike. Do you think that will be ch- like more challenging for them this year? Or you just think that they have like they have blinders on, and 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 if so, like do you attribute that to Tibbs or, or something else? You're talking about the players now, right? Yes, the like players, the players. About, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you think about it. A lot of that stuff always took place in the off season. Yes, we never really had a you know play like like Donovan Mitchell was the whole off season. It wasn't during the season. I think it's when it's during the season that it becomes the distraction. Okay. The offseason, you're, you're separated. Um, I don't know of, and I know we've all seen the different names. I mean, I, I mean, with, with Dame Lillard going to Milwaukee, Giannis can say all he wants about not signing. He's signing there now. I mean, they, they committed to him. He'll commit to them. I, I can't see him using any leverage at all about wanting to leave. But there was a moment where yes. he thought about, I've done everything I can here in Milwaukee. Maybe I need to go somewhere else. And big market makes sense for a guy like him, right? Uh, so who knows about that? But I don't. I'm not looking at that anymore. And the Joel Embiid stuff, I, I've said for a million times. Like, like Philadelphia, what is their motivation to send him to a rival? That's fair. Like this That's it fair. doesn't make sense. Where they and, and again, Dame Lillard wanted to go to Miami. Where did he go? He didn't go to Miami. Miami. (laughs) Like, like think about the different stars that have said, this is where I want to go. And then, then where do they end up is in different places. So that's why whatever you're hearing right now, I still don't expect to hang over this team throughout the season. The only thing that I will keep an eye on is Cleveland because of Donovan Mitchell having the contract deal where he'll go into a, a walk year next season and if he tells them, I'm not signing an extension, unless they're in a high place that they're expected to be in, would Cleveland then say, well, let's trade him while he's got value instead of – but they'll probably sure. wait to the offseason for that. So I don't see it hanging over the team okay. because I don't see anything immediate like Carmelo was all those years ago when I was covering the team as a beat writer. That hung over the team. That was a real thing. 
I don't know if there's a name out there that's that big enough to rattle some players who might think, you know, I'm playing for my life here. They're going to trade me anyway. So that's why. And I think Tibbs is really good at circling the wagons as well and making sure that they're in a cocoon. But players still see and hear what they hear. I just don't see a name that is out there right now that could be that cloud over this group this season. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. And I, I, I'm I'm happy about that um, because I want to see what this group can do. I mean, they've earned. I agree. Yeah, I think they've earned the, the right for us to be excited about them. You mentioned Tibbs. I'm a I'm an unabashed Thibodeau uh, fanboy. Uh, maybe one of the few. I, I don't know. But so I'm just going to ask you this because again, you're you're around the man. Um, do you think the, the again all the words we used before stability and and culture and and competence and consistency? Do you think that was more him? bringing a lot of those things to the organization or do you think it was he walked into a situation that Leon had already been here for a few months and and kind of started to get his his ducks in a row and he benefited from something that many of the coaches that were here over the last 20 years including Hall of Famers former coach of the year winners we don't have to go through them we know who they are Mm -hmm. did Mm -hmm. not benefit from because they were walked into more unstable situations Or, or do you think it's like somewhere in between I actually think that Tibbs was part of the stability. And I think of the moves that, that Leon and his group have made, I still think Tibbs, hiring Thibodeau was the best mm, wow. because of what he brought, the instant credibility, which can't be overlooked. Oh. And even when they hired him, I, I said this. Now, I know Minnesota didn't last long, mm. but when he was there, he took a franchise that couldn't get out of its own freaking way. <laughs> They were a mess, yep. and he got them right on track, had their best season in, what, 14 years. Yep. They make the playoffs. You know, the Jimmy stuff, and then, you know, Cat was young, and, and Wiggins was young. That was oil and water, and that's the one area that he knew that he has to get better at, which is controlling when there's turmoil within a team because he does rely on your – he relies on his veterans and his leaders to take care of the locker room. He's not a big hands-on locker room kind of guy. So that went south, but it wasn't before he showed you, I come in and I fix it. Chicago, when he took the job in Chicago after, of course, being the assistant in Boston with uh, with Doc, what did he do with Chicago? Now, yes, they got Derrick Rose. That was pretty good, getting a number one pick like that. But in reality, he took a, a franchise that, since Jordan left, was a disaster. Couldn't draft well. Like, they were a mess. Like, you remember the two picks that the Knicks gave no oh, I, protections for Eddie Curry? You remember that? How controversial that was? What did they get out of those two picks? What did they get? Essentially, they didn't get a future... yeah, essentially Tyrus Thomas and, uh, my God, well, I forget the other one, actually. I should know yeah, that. Yeah, of course you do. Because it, it didn't end up in <laughs> something epic. It didn't yeah. end up epic. But at the yeah. time, it was still inexcusable, right? Yeah. But. The point is, is it just showed you that they weren't a great franchise anymore. He came in, instant credibility. Same front office, instant credibility, stability. He got them in a system, an identity, and he got them winning. So everywhere he has gone, that's where he puts you. He gets you on track. He did that the minute he showed up here in New York. And they did it during a hard year. Remember, it was the COVID year. Um, So he came in establish an identity and that's the one thing about the Knicks that you couldn't say you know D'Antoni came in the identity was what it was about you know seven seconds or less 
But the Knicks really lost their identity and never found it until Tibbs arrived and brought it back. And I think that's something that can't be overlooked because we love as fans, and it's not just the Knicks, it's all of our teams. All of our teams have that, when we're at our best, this is who we are, right? Your era, when we're at our best. And if you look in Knicks history, the championship era, the years they went to the finals back in the 50s, no, I wasn't around for it, I swear. But <laughs> like, but I know enough because I wrote history books on this stuff. You have. And the 90s. They're all connected by one common theme. They were great defensive teams. Yeah. All of them. Lapchek demanded it. Red Holzman demanded it. QB demanded it when they had a, a good run. And obviously, and then when, when Riles came in, they were tough. And then Jeff, what he did from there. And then Tibbs is from that DNA. And he like that's what he brought back. This is who we are. We build from here. And that, I think, is important to a team. Who are the, who are the Knicks? They're a tough, physical, defensive-minded team. They start with that. And that's who they are. He brought that back. So that's why, while everybody will – you know, huff and puff about different things with the offense, which I have some numbers that dispute some of the offensive critiques. Uh, but it's the defensive foundation that this team long needed to bring back, that he brought back, and the identity, which I think makes you the team that everybody loves. That's what the Knicks are. Speaking of that identity, um, you spoke eloquently the other night uh, as you have over the years uh, about Mitchell Robinson. And I thought it was so on point for you to point out how this is a guy who we just kind of like, not forget about. That's not the right word. We don't forget about Mitch. He's huge. Like it's impossible to miss him, but like he's, he is kind of taken for granted at this point. And it's just like, I was listening to that and watching him play. I think he's been outstanding so far in the preseason. I think he arguably the best player on the team. Yeah. Um, and like, again, we're talking about what's different about this team that hasn't been the last 20 years. This is his fifth season now. Or excuse me. Sorry, that's incorrect. This is his oh, sixth season. Yeah. No. Yes. Yeah. Remember, he started with the, you know, remember, he was around for the bleeding. Like, yes, he know, was. Like, yes, he was. Like, he, 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 he's probably the one guy that has the scars. Mm-hmm. Like everybody else. I, I mean, other than RJ, RJ had the, the, the right? Didn't, no, no, no. RJ, no, no. He, R- he was, well, yeah, they, listen, had... 1920, there were some scars from 1920. That's true. Yes. Okay. So RJ does have <laughs> a few. Right. RJ does have a, li- a little scar. But yeah. Mitch has got, I mean, Mitch has claw marks. Yes, right? he he, if, if anybody can relate to the fans and the angst and the, the agony and the frustration, it's Mitch because he saw rock bottom. Like he knows what it looks like when it's bad. And so that's what I appreciate about him. And it's true. Think about how many – like DeAndre Ayton's a great example. Okay. DeAndre same draft class. DeAndre Ayton was miserable winning in Phoenix. Yes, Think he about was. that for a minute. Miserable. Yeah. He's happier in obscurity in Portland. Happier. Why? Oh, because now he's dominating. Now he's got <laughs> the ball. Now he's going to get fed. Now all this stuff, right? All he yep. talks about is how he's appreciated now. Oh. Does Mitchell Robinson ever talk about needing to be appreciated? Does he ever bring that stuff up? Or does he talk about what I need to do to help us win, which he knows 
is a lot of dirty work and a lot of things. And all he asks for is give me a lob every now and then just to just just to you know just to make me feel good. Just pat me on the back every now and then. Just chuck me a lob so I can get some buckets, so I can get the ten, so I can get a couple double doubles. He doesn't demand the ball. He doesn't ask for none of that. He'll he'll dive on the floor. He'll block shots. He will rebound like crazy. He'll run the floor. He has grown into a player that I think we need to start appreciating for what he does and stop trying to turn him into can he can he can he develop a jump shot? No. Can we start criticizing him about his free throws? Enough. We gotta love what he brings because he's willing to play that role That's, and not a lot of big men are. I mean, we could go through like, you know, Dwight Howard refused, even though he was there literally, you, at, you know, yep. almost one MVP in that role. He's like, no, I got to do more. Um, Mitch Bison, I love the quote that I think was from Grimes the other night uh, saying, you know, he, you could argue that Mitch is, is the most important player on the team. The other guy, and I thought of this when you mentioned maybe that hiring Tibbs was Leon's best move. Um, but the other guy who might be the most important player on the team, I think, is Jalen Brunson. Um, Jalen Brunson <laughs> Really going out of limb on that one. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, only the hardest hitting analysis here yeah. on Nick's film school. Yeah. Um, but like he's he's turned me into the kid I was in the nineties. Like because he's, he's honestly he's like kind of made me believe in magic again. Like here was this kid who obviously we know his whole backstory, and yeah. for him to come in and do what he did last year. My question for you is again because you're you're around this team. Do you think he could get? Even better. I know that's a scary thought, but I, I have to ask it because, again, he's turned me into a kid. I want to ask the silly questions. Well, I mean, first of all, he should have been an all-star last year. Yes, he should have. I think that's accepted. He'll be an all-star this year, God willing, health and everything else. Yeah. I don't. I think at this point he's raised enough attention for himself in the game that he plays that when it does come time for all-star consideration, you know, look, Love Jalen Brunson. Unless New York shows out and votes for him, you know he's not going to get the vote I in agree. the East. It's just reality, right? It's like, and I've always wondered this, by the way. How is it New York? We are the biggest I know. fan base. Yeah. And I say we, but you know what I mean. Like oh. we are the biggest market. Yeah. The fan base is the biggest fan base. They're everywhere, all over the country, right? Like this is the Dallas Cowboys the of the NBA. This is the Dallas Cowboys of the NBA, right? It's the biggest brand. Right? It's the that, that's the reality. And yet, I've always noticed that when it comes to fan voting, there's no benefit. There is no benefit. It's true. And I don't get that. How Jalen Brunson was finishing behind some players in the voting, that didn't make sense to me. So I'll do it here. I'll call out Nick fans this year. When they open the votes, when the voting is out there, you had better get on that thing, whether it's on the app, however they do it these days, and you better vote your ass off because this guy deserved it last year and he didn't get it, and he deserves it this year. Now, could he get it in the vote? Again, it's unlikely because of the Damian Lillard's in the East now, right? right. He's so popular. So, But coaches do pay attention to that stuff. That does matter. And the coaches already acknowledge that he's that good. And so when the East coaches tend to vote for the reserves – you got to believe that they will make sure that he's on the roster this time around because I felt like that it was a, it was a travesty he was not on last year how well he played. So can he get better? Yes, because he can be an all-star this year. That's number 1. He can be all NBA this year. He can be. Or he can. 
Yeah, I know. I agree. I, I, I think he, so, too. At that position, if you're winning at a high rate, if the Knicks are a 45 to 50 win team and he's still averaging the 22 a game that he's, you know, and he's shooting the high 30s, maybe even 40 from three, like how you can't deny his impact on winning. So all those things are right there. Can he get better? Yes. That's how he gets better. He gets better because the team will be better and more eyes will be on him. He'll impact winning a lot more. His comfort now in the, the group, understanding what Julius wants, what RJ wants, that's all important as well. And we'll see where it all goes from there, how they all work with each other. But I think we, we saw last year what he is. But can he take it up a notch? He can by the team having more success. I don't think it's like he'll have to average 30 a night. I yeah, don't no, I, think that's what it is. I don't either. It's more of his success will be driven by how good the team is, and everybody will then start to recognize, well, that's that's the catalyst on the team. That's Ex- the main guy. So that's where I think his profile raises. You just you just nailed it. For as great as Julius Randle is, and he uh, had another great, great season last year, I think – it's okay to say that Jalen Brunson is the straw that that stirs the drink. That's not it. I don't. Yep. I don't think that I'm, I'm. I'm dissing Julius by by saying that or that anybody would be. Well, um, usually the point guard is. Yeah, usually yeah. the point guard is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Couple more, and, and then I'm going to get you out of here. Thank you again for taking the time that you have. I'm going to give you yeah. three names, and they're the three names that uh, we talk about a lot, and that always get brought up to me. Young players who have kind of um, different factions in terms of people thinking, like, okay, this is the guy that's going to make the leap, or this is the guy that's going to make the leap. R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Quentin Grimes. Of those three, um, obviously all drafted by the team, is mm-hmm. there one? more than the others I, I feel bad putting you on the spot so you don't have to give an answer but if there is one more than the others that maybe you're most excited about for this year um tell me and and, and tell me why well i'll put it like this it's not as much excited as i'm like really curious okay and it's quentin it's quentin grimes there you go and okay. i don't know if you remember last year in august and I, people always love to play this game with me for some reason and, and i fall for it every time it's who's going to be the starting five, right? That was the game we used to play every year because we didn't know. Now we kind of know. Yeah. But last year, and the expectation was because Evan Fournier was on the team and the, you know he was there. It was always that. And I said, I think Grimes fits better with the starting five. I remember that. Yeah. Will they have? Will they be able to make that decision based on contract? Because you're not paying Evan Fournier uh, seventy million dollars to not play. And then Tibbs finally said, "Oh the hell, yes we are." <laughs> <laughs> and, and 37 and 22, as he said, is hard to argue with. So Grimes was somebody I was watching last year to see, can he take that step? It's second year. But third year is when you're expected to take the step. And I love that he took some time this offseason and spent time not only with Penny Hardaway, but also with J.J. Redick. Yep. And that tells me that he's a student of the game because what he did was watch Redick and realize that's how I need to play. I can play like that. 
Now, JJ would have loved to have played defense like Quentin Grimes can, but that's another side of the court that does, you know, that, that obviously is not relatable. But I think what Grimes can do offensively, we saw a little bit of it Saturday night, early in the game, kick out for three. He could have just taken the early cold three, pump fake. The scouting report is he'll shoot the three, runner out, right to the basket for an easy two. Those are the types of playmaking things that I think he can bring. So I'm curious to see if he can make that uptick because we know what Barrett, Brunson, and RJ will bring. We know what Mitchell Robinson brings. This team takes a step if Quentin Grimes takes a step. They get better because your younger players are what you're looking for to get better. Most of your vets, they are what they are. So Grimes is a guy that if he takes a step, the Knicks get better because their five, starting five, gets even stronger. And I should point out to you that last year, for the first time in franchise history, the Knicks starters led the NBA in scoring. That's never happened before. I don't think I knew that. They led the NBA in scoring. It's the 86.5 points per game, number one in the league. Boston was third. Cleveland was fifth. Sacramento sixth. Philly eighth. Denver ninth. And Milwaukee tenth. But that also tells you that they rely a lot on their starters and they need more out of their bench. But that's another conversation. But their starters uh, led the league in first quarter efficiency, number one in offensive rating in the Mm. first quarter. So they always got off to good starts. They were uh, best in offensive rebounding as a starting five. They led the league in free throw attempts as a starting five. That five was a very good starting five in the NBA. If Grimes gets better, they become a better starting five in the NBA. Think about it that way. And then when you throw in some of the people, and and that's when I I allow myself to get a little bit too overly excited about this team. <laughs> I tell myself, okay, the starting five is back. They, You could argue that all five of those guys will be b- better this year than they were last year. might not be the case. You could argue it, though. And yes. then you're like, well, wait a minute. And I don't want to say anything bad about Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin was, was good for his time here. He it, it bought into his role, the whole thing. But I think right. I'm excited for DiVincenzo. I'm excited for what DiVincenzo brings. I think it's what this team needs. And then you only had Hart for 27 games. Mm-hmm. So when you factor both of those guys in, I, I think so. I'll, I'll kind of try to finish up with with this. Do you think that this team is there a world where they could kind of challenge the notion? That, I'm not saying they're, they're not. I don't think they're going to win a championship. I don't think they make the finals. But like, do you think that they could do something this year that really makes us by the end of the year ask like, well, maybe depth and having nine guys on the uh, you know at all time, 48 minutes, right, of, of consistent like there's that word again. Like they're going to be held to play for the whole time. Like that is that what the thing that fans should be most excited about to see yes. like how far can that get you? Yes. The strength of this team is it's got a, it's a, it's one of the best starting fives in the NBA. Argu- not arguably it is statistically, statistically one of the best productive starting fives in the league. The depth is something that we keep talking about but needs to show itself, and that'll be this year. And DiVincenzo does fit in a different way than Obi did because we saw it a little bit on display Saturday. He can get after it defensively. like He can make an impact the game in subtle ways. And another guy that just doesn't sit there complaining about getting the ball. He's a Villanova guy. I mean, these guys are built different. So him and Hart together with that second group. um, Hartenstein, who I just think, you know, is a phenomenal 
I mean, he might be one of the best backups in the league as far as the five goes. Oh, because absolutely. of all the things that he can do, and he's so versatile. So you got him. And then I'm watching Quick. There's the fourth one, right? He's the yep. fourth. It's pretty important. Quick, <laughs> it's very important. But you know, like it's it's he's got a lot on his mind right now, and we'll see if he gets the does he get the contract extension or does he bet on himself and say, you know what, I think I can get more in the open market. Mm-hmm. So there'll be a lot going on with him mentally if if he doesn't get the extension. So that's to me though, just again, give you the the most optimistic take possible is that you're asking me what can this team be? And I'm telling you this this sets up the potential, the ceiling to be the best season they have had since 2013. And in 2013, they won over 50 games. That wasn't sustainable because it was a very old roster. So we knew this was a a hit-it-and-quit-it kind of season. And they came all so close but broke down, if you remember. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, messing around with Boston in that first round instead of just taking care of business. So the one thing that I think benefits the Knicks the most this year is a rule change when it comes to resting players. Because it will affect many teams, but it will not affect them. They've got guys that play. (laughs) R.J. Barrett, 90% of the games. Jalen Brunson, 90% of his games since he joined the league. Julius Randle, 95% of his games since he joined the Knicks. Emmanuel Quickly, 94% of the games since he joined the Knicks. Like, these guys play. So you don't worry about, now I'm playing guys because I have to, and they're playing more minutes, and they have to play 65 games so they can get their bonuses and all that yeah. crap. And who knows about breaking down, and who knows about – so there's a lot of that that some teams are going to have to deal with that for the Knicks, it's like, yeah, this is like this is everyday business for us. We're used to this. So I like that for them. And so when we get to the postseason, can that depth pay off? Didn't last year because of injuries. Injuries happen. you got to learn how to play through them. So – Yes, the depth is a is a value to this team, and it can help them win. But I think the depth is also a reason why you can believe that they should be a top four team in the East, and should at like their goal. Everybody's goals win a championship. We're being realists. Yeah. The goal to me, a great season is if they're in the final four. You get to the oh, conference okay. finals, great season, and and you can't tell me looking at the East that that's out of the question it's not out of the question it's not Uh, it's a reality that everything again things have to go right but based on what i saw last year based on what they've got coming back this year the continuity aspect the 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 uptick in your young players getting better all of those things when you look at the east turmoil in philadelphia right uncertainty uh, in miami boston's depth major question what the celtics have depth wise so there's there's issues to look at. Even Milwaukee, they're they're going to be so good top heavy. Yes, but one injury and that sets them back. So you know Cleveland, they added to their depth. Do they have the coaching to get them over the top? Yeah. Question mark from last year. That's why when you look at the Knicks and everything that they bring to the table, <clears throat> there's reason for optimism there. I love it. You you stole my last question about what what like we should think of as a realistic ceiling. Um, I, <laughs> man. If this team got to the freaking conference finals, I don't know what the hell I would do. That would be well, something, look, wouldn't were, it? G- game six last. I mean, think about game six last year. I you know. had a chance to force a game seven. If Randall isn't banged up the way he was banged up, you know, th- there was a lot going on. 
at that point. Josh Hart, his ankle from game one of the of the Cleveland series, he was never the same after that. That's a good point. If you look about at that. where they were, you say to yourself, could they have gotten past Miami? They had home court. No quicker you know, either for, right, yeah, for the, quick, for the quick, last three. Yeah. Yeah. Quick, quick was all banged up. Like when you consider how last year finished, that's the maddening part of it. And it felt the same as 2013. It's like you never really got to see the potential. You never got to see it. One of these years, it's got to come through. And, and because of the continuity, there wasn't crazy change. Like 2014 was what drove me crazy because instead oh. of – just building from 2013. Okay, some of the old guys had to go, yeah. but let's just, you know, you still got a good core. It's like now, Barnyani, it just went haywire. You didn't need to do that. This time around, I feel the same way. And this time around, it's – when I work with Bart Scott, NFL player, linebacker, what? he's a great player in the NFL, and, and, and I love stuff that he talks about a lot of times with his perspective because he never played for bad teams. The Ravens were great, yeah. and the Jets, when he played for them, were great. He said, though – to win, you have to feel pain. Like when you bring in new people and they don't have that pain, they don't understand it. So when you as a collective went through some pain and then you come back the next year, it's sort of like you all look at each other and you all already get it. Like we already remember the pain, like like what that felt like. Yeah. Trash talk, whatever it was that they were saying about us. And it gives you something that everybody can kind of hold on to together. It unifies you as that one goal. And that's what you are hoping develops in the locker room this year, is every guy looks around. The only one that doesn't really know it is DiVincenzo. But everybody else, to a man, looks around like, yeah, we remember. We we were there. Let's show them. That's what you're hoping you get this year if you're a Knicks fan. Well. It's more continuity than this franchise uh, has had since since the late '90s. Uh, you know, '99 yeah. into into 2000. Same same top eight are going to be back. I'm so excited to watch them, and I'm so excited to uh, follow you as always in all of your forms. I, I usually end the show by asking the guests if they have anything they want to plug or promote. Turn on your TV. Turn on your radio. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna see Alan yeah. Hahn. You're gonna hear Alan Hahn. But I'll I'll open it to you. Anything else before I, I get you well, out? Well, I mean, I mean, I, I I will shamelessly plug the show that we have from noon to three on on ESPN Radio in in New York. Because if you are looking for basketball talk, where the hell are you gonna go in New York radio? Come on, be honest. Like oh. basketball, come on. Like this is the show. So that's one thing you should always make sure that's appointment. But I do want to say this. I don't know when you're gonna run this, but October 25th, the season opener, yep. our show. We're going to be live in Manhattan um, doing it live. I want to get as many Nick fans out there. I'm going to try to, like, give some of my old books away and sign them and, and just have some fun just getting ready for the season. It's, it's, a, it's a lunchtime kind of thing. I don't have the venue yet, though, but I'll okay, put that out we'll, on social. But it's Midtown. It's Midtown. And I sure. just want, like I said, it's like I always like to call them fixer mixers. Like, we just get out and just get together and just – you know, just just shut down Seventh Avenue like we always do. Like I, I just, you know, I I'd love to get people out and let's get the season off to a good start because it just is. You get a vibe about this year. This season, we said I said it some summer before. This season deserves that. It really does. They they have been building up to something. I think this is mm-hmm. again. This, we're not maybe at the finish line yet, but I that would be so cool. Um, if there's any way I could make it out for for when you're doing that, I will. Come on out, man. Noon. But at the at the very least, uh, when you uh, have the venue all set, we'll we'll obviously help uh, spread the word for that because that would be a really cool awesome. thing. That's um, fun. Yeah, Alan, it's a long time coming, and uh, truly 
in honor. I appreciate you. And uh, on behalf of uh, Knicks fans everywhere, you know, thanks for giving us someone that we can rely on and actually really uh, genuinely enjoy. Take us through year after year after year because it it ain't always easy, man. Uh, no, no, but, no, it isn't. But, but if if anybody deserves, you know, some good years, you know, this franchise, this fan base deserves it. Uh, that's why I always really, you know, anybody says that I always root for. I always I said this last year too when we were all during the playoffs and stuff, and I was always yeah. around the ESPN people, and it, you know they would talk. Anytime you'd run into somebody, whether it's Perk or whether it's you know Richard Jefferson, I'd always say, "Man, take it easy on these people. Like these fans are, they love the game. Like, get, let them have something. Let them feel good about something." Please. So you know, like that's really all it's become for me. It's always about can these people just have a year where they can feel good and people aren't mocking them and and you know get put. I mean, how many fake you know edit jerseys do you have to put oh on the God. next star? And all can we stop with that, please? So yeah, that that is something. But before you go, I do want to say this, and I mean this for not, it's not just because you were giving such great compliments, but what you guys have done, I've always admired it. And I think you've oh. seen a couple of times I've, I've either responded or retweeted you and all have. that stuff. You've been great. What you guys do, I think, is a very, is a different level of how, you know, you have that fan interaction when it comes to covering a team. Because so many times, you know, people always come to me like, oh, I have this Knicks podcast. And it's like, well, all right, what are you bringing to the table that nobody else is saying or doing? And you guys brought that level of, you know, Which, breaking down the film, watching a game, the X's and O's, the strategies, but even more importantly, the importance of players and their roles and the nuances of what they do and what they bring, whether it's positive or negative. And, and I think that's a it's a cool feature to have to watch because it is unique and you guys made that your own. And I love it. It's in the name. And I think it's great. So just keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate that. We're lucky to have. Uh... As you said before, we're lucky to have the best fan base uh, in all the sports. Who needs to get out and vote for Jalen Brunson at, at All-Star time? <laughs> I'll, Let's, I'll go. <laughs> Let's go. Okay. I uh, hope you enjoyed that. I have a feeling you did. That was a lot of fun for me. Could you tell? Could you tell I was having fun with that one? Um, be sure to catch Alan, obviously, on MSG Network all season long. And, and uh, like I said at the end of the show, uh, whenever we get details or whether whatever he releases details on where... He'll be uh, for the day of the season opener doing his radio show live. We'll put that out there. So, uh, you know, keep keep an eye out for that. And uh, that is about it. Um, post game uh, tonight, as you are uh, listening to this, we got the final two post games or final two pre pregame uh, games, uh, preseason games. I can't get my words up. Used all my words up for the Han interview. Uh, the final two preseason games uh, come in. Tuesday night and Wednesday night. So there'll be post games for both of those. Check those out. And then uh, show to end the week. Locked on Knicks crossover coming your way on Monday. And then before you know it, here we go. Um, season's here. So lots to look forward to. As always, if you dig the show, uh, subscribe, leave a five-star rating, write a nice review. Those things help us out. Uh, until next time, take care. And we will talk to you soon. Peace out.